The algorithms that social media use cause you to only see a small percentage of what's being posted. And typically, the things that you're shown are things that you're likely to engage with because the social media platforms want you to stay on site as long as possible. Sounds obvious, but when you break it down, this means that you're putting yourself into an echo chamber. You're only going to be seeing the things that you've engaged with either because you agree with them or because you disagree. This can make you think that the whole world is obsessed with the issues that you're obsessed with and that the whole world is in conflict over those issues. This leads to obvious problems. In this episode, I break down this process, talk about how it's impacting you and what you can do about it. In addition, I share a chapter of my book, Upgrade, called Bloodless Coup, which draws upon these themes and extrapolates it into a potential future that we may be facing. You're going to love this podcast. Enjoy. I see a lot of people protesting or talking online or projecting these sort of woke social views and they're protesting the climate or something to do with the environment or pay rises or gender equality or sexual equality or basically any topic, right? And it it runs the gamut. And what I see is that these people will post their posts and the same people will comment on those posts. And this happens over and over and over again. And it feels like there's an echo chamber. The people that are making the posts are screaming their words to the world saying, hey, think of this, think of this, think of this. And the people that are responding either agree with them or they're the polar opposites. And this happens over and over and over again. And then the next social cause comes along and the same cycle repeats itself. And the reason I'm wanting to address this is to highlight the fact that social media really is an echo chamber. It really is a way to talk to people that are either the same as you, thus they'll engage, or they're the polar opposites of you, thus they'll engage. Why is this the case? Well, every social media worth its salt has algorithms that choose who you post to. So if I do a post and you've previously liked one of my posts or commented or anything like that, the social media platform will show you more of my work. Yeah. And if I, this is why you'll see the, the creators on YouTube and other platforms saying, Hey, like, share, subscribe, comment. That's why I do it because the more engagement I get, the more my stuff will be shown. When you post something, not everyone on your social media feeds sees it. Okay, you only get, I think, 12% organic reach. So if you've got 100 followers, only 12 people will see the post, maybe. And which of those 12 people see it will be dependent on the words and the topic and the theme of your post. It's all very complicated. But what this means is that when you pop online, when you go open up your social feed, the social media is showing you what it thinks you want to see based on what you've previously looked at and what will keep you on the site longer, what will cause you to keep coming back. This is why there's always such controversies in your th- in your feed. This is why you'll see things that you completely agree with or that rile you up. The goal isn't to make you happy. The goal is to keep you coming back. The more you come back, the more advertisement revenue the social media gets. So what's, what is this doing to you? Let's say you're a climate change advocate. Could be anything. I could, I could pick any topic here. Gender equality, race, whatever. It doesn't matter. 
and you post online and you'll be you 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 open up your feed and you'll see images and memes and videos of people very much supporting climate climate change awareness you'll see pictures of climate climate change being destruct destructed you'll see people with counter protests sort of bagging and demeaning the climate change people and it will feel like the whole world is talking about your one topic however if you look at someone else's feed you will see and they're you know they're into race rights then they will get a feed that's curated based on that sort of stuff and this is self-perpetuating even the advertisements that get shown to you aren't shown to everyone this is another thing that people aren't aware of you're actually shown ads that are catered to you specifically you can target people based on age demographic and behavior and the big companies pay pay a lot of money to get their ads to you. How do they know what ads to get to? Based on your past history, your search history, and the you know what you're literally saying to your phone because it's listening, right? And this isn't this isn't like some conspiracy theory. It's what's happening, which is why you find that ads are directly catered to you. So every time you go on social media, you're seeing a world that is completely curated for you. It's a world that doesn't exist for anyone else, but it seems like the world is, this is the same world that everyone else is living in because you're all on the same platform. There's a danger here, multiple fronts. The first one is political. If you're only seeing things that are go for or against you, you're going to be polarized down this view and you're not going to see that there's levels of gray and there's a variety to the world and that your issue isn't the only issue and that not everyone's talking about it. You know, I mainly talk about mental health, mental illness, right? So my feed is full of that stuff. And it feels like everybody in the world's been traumatized and everyone in the world has mental health problems and everyone's suffering a breakdown because that's the stuff that Facebook and and Instagram and Twitter and all of that sort of stuff, that's the stuff that they choose to show me because that's the stuff that I'm putting out and I engage with a lot. So it feels like that's what's happening. This can be overwhelming because it's like, well, I know that's not what the world is really like. And same thing to the people that talk about race online. It will feel like the world is completely racist. If you talk about and post about, you know, issues with capitalism and, you know, really, really rich people, you'll keep seeing memes and pictures and arts and all of that sort of stuff about that. And it will feel like everyone has got a problem with that. Same thing with if you don't have job satisfaction. Same thing if you're you know, looking at from a religious perspective, right? There'll be people posting memes and and articles and stuff supporting your religion and against it. No matter what, this is going to be impacting you. So how can you know this and not, how can you, how can you address this fact? How can you function in this world using these tools and not be impacted by them? This is a tough one. First of all, let's say you want to make a change. Let's say you want to impact people's opinions. If you just make a post online, just to your, you know, small group of followers, your, you know, the average person has like what, a hundred to 500 people. You're not making any real difference because the people that are going to be seeing your posts are the ones that are always seeing your posts. You're not going to be impacting or reaching anyone new. So you're going to be having the same agreements from the same people and the same disagreements from the same people. And that's it. One thing on the algorithms that I forgot to mention is that 
they will randomly show you someone else. So let's say you haven't seen one of my posts for ages. It'll randomly show you one of mine to see if you're into that now. And that, that way it sort of curates and sees what you actually like. It learns. So there's a small chance that your post will reach someone new, but it's very, very, very small. So basically you're talking to the same people and you're getting the same feedback and that's not changing. So how can you actually make a real world difference? You can make a real world difference by using your words and speaking to people in real life or via direct message. You can say, hey, this is how I feel with your words. If I post something, I don't know who's going to see it. Not everyone's going to see it, right? I've released five books. Some people on my feed literally didn't know that I was writing, right? Because for whatever reason, we weren't being shown each other's stuff. People have gotten married, right? And they've posted it online and I found out about it ages, ages after because I wasn't shown it. Now, obviously I'm not that close to these people and vice versa, but there's this expectation that, oh, I'm posting it. Everyone's going to see it. Wrong. 12% of people see it, unless it goes viral, in which case Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, all of the social medias will show it more. So you're basically talking to yourself and talking to the people and getting that self-confirming bias. If you want to actually make a change, speak to people in person, direct message them. That way they get the message. You can have that dialogue back and forth with real people. If you want to make a real change, start getting like actually political. Do the actual protests. Turn up. Contact your, your local representatives, right? Actually make a real world difference because you're not talking to anyone new. No one's hearing you. No one. It just... It, it's why you feel so frustrated. It's why you feel like the you're stuck in this quagmire of not changing because you're not making any change. It's There's something to be said from stepping back from social media and just looking at the real world that you live in, right? Stop listening to the podcasts. Stop watching the videos. Turn off the music. Stop reading the news and literally just... Sit in the silence of your mind and look at your world. What's actually happening? You know, like, like, like what's actually happening in the world that you live in? Not the world online, right? I see a lot of people, like I'm in Australia, and a lot of people in Australia talk about police brutality and cops with guns and all of this sort of stuff. And it's so blatantly obvious that they're getting the majority of this sort of talk from United States-based media sources. Because that's where we get a lot of our stuff from, right? The reality of the police in the United States is distinctly different from the reality in Australia. Now, that's not to say there aren't bad cops and all of that sort of stuff, whatever, right? But there's a distinct difference. Because how things are done in other countries, particularly the United States, is different to how we do it here. There's similarities. But if you form a worldview of the world based on American media and apply it to your world, you're going to find, it's, it's not going to be right, but it's going to impact your brain, right? We live in a different country. And even in America, different states, different areas, right? It's so vital for you to be able to step back and go, okay, what's actually happening in my world now? There, there, there's, there's this mental health aspect of this too. Because like I, like I said, it, it can feel like everyone's talking about your issue. I talk about mental health. Everyone seems to be mentally ill. They're not. Okay, there's a big proportion. I'm going to talk about it and that sort of stuff. But not everyone is. 
I need to step back and realize that that the world isn't the same as I um, as as my brain, right? But social media has this way of making that seem to be the case. It has this way of just twisting reality to project it just to keep you on the website. So let, let's talk practical solutions here. Stop engaging. Stop going on social media, right? Be very careful what you look at. Be care- very careful how much time you spend. If you find yourself getting emotionally engaged or angered or attached, step back and think to yourself, is this real, as in in my life, in my world? Or am I being rolled up based on an online thing? There's this feeling that we need to do something to save the world, right? In whatever capacity, gender, climate, race, money, all of those things, war, there's so many issues, right? You don't, you don't have to fix the world. You don't even have to engage with it if you don't want to, if it's hurting you. You don't have to go on social media. You don't. If you recognize this is happening, step back and detach. Yeah? So, if you if you can relate to this or you can see this happening in your own life, please comment and let me know because I'm super curious to see how this is impacting you. And what I want to share with you is a chapter of my book, Upgrade. Now, this is a sci-fi anthology. I haven't shared one of these chapters with you for a while. Um, like I say, with everything that I'm doing, I share online for free. So you have access to it. The basically reason is that I believe that information and entertainment should be free online. But if you want to support what I'm doing here, and if you want to own the book, you can. It's out now as a paperback, ebook, and audiobook. And it's a good way to support what I'm doing here because all this stuff takes time. Time could be spent working. Working gives me money to be able to support my family. So if you want me to be able to do more of this, or if you just want to say thanks, grab yourself a copy, click the links down below. Anyway, this chapter is called Bloodless Coup. In the years preceding the War of Resources, a coup took place to gain control of the United States government. What's followed is an excerpt from a speech given by the coup's leader to his inner circle following the successful takeover. War is inevitable. There is simply not enough to go around. Yet due to the affluence of our nation, no one here was preparing for it. Whilst other countries were stockpiling munitions and supplies, we were debating trivialities. It's easy to philosophize over high-minded morals and ethical concerns of animals or subjugated minorities while the barbarians are not at the gates. But they are coming. Oh yes, they're on their way. We've grown soft. Generation after generation, living in abject luxury has left us internally weak. Years of safety guaranteed by a technologically strong military combined with aggressive financial regulations and trade deals padded our pillows and filled filled our plates. But it can't last forever. Nothing ever does. Rival nations can only be pushed so far. Our puppet dictators will fall, and when that happens, they'll come for us. Our allies will smell the changes coming on the horizon, and they too will turn on us. What the average citizen fails to realise is that we're a part of history, not just an observer of it. Our attitude of malaise and general indifference to the geopolitical posturing of other nation-states will be debated for eons. Thus, if we didn't act, if we didn't seize control of our country, it would have inevitably fallen. We recognised the threat and took action, and we will continue to take the necessary preparations to safeguard our nation against the upcoming storm. 
there'll be some tough choices ahead. Choices that prior governments were clearly incapable of making, but not us. The beauty is that we'll use the very mechanisms we used to gain control to gear the nation onto a war footing. It will be a slow process, of course, but once our second phase is initiated, we'll be able to ramp it up significantly. You remember the process. It was already happening, of course. We just saw the mechanisms in place and steered them towards our objectives. It was only two years ago. Social media had the world divided into arbitrary camps of opinion, and when there were no divisions, we created them. Despite being built as an information-sharing platform, the internet was really just an elaborately constructed echo chamber. When a user watched one video or read out one article, they were autoplayed another and another and another, each one projecting slightly more extreme opinions than the last. A few hours later, the user was indoctrinated into a rigid ideology. This was all fueled by content creators who were quick to produce anything that would draw them a click. And of course, the social platforms happily accommodated this service. More time on site means more advertisement revenue for them. In fact, their algorithms were being upgraded daily to better match their content to their users' interests. Users were far less likely to click off-site if it shows them self-referential content. Not many people want to have their preconceived notions of truth challenged. Thus, it was in the platform's best interests to not show their users the true nature of the world, rather to reflect back at them what they already knew to be the true nature of the world. This leads us to one of our prime, uh, our prime weapons, outrage culture. Highlight an insignificant issue, show it to one side, and then show their response to the issue back to the first side and repeat. Flame the fires by promoting, sharing, and encouraging where appropriate. Once the issue had some traction, hungry bloggers and faux media personalities were jumping all over it. Finally, through the use of thousands of fake accounts, we covertly hounded anyone with an online following to weigh in on these issues. If they refused to participate in the discussion, we would dredge up past comments and label them as a supporter of one side. That, or hack into their cloud services and threaten to reveal images to the world that they didn't want to go public. To make it clear that we were serious, we would intermittently leak footage of their contemporaries and trump up the charges with accusations of indiscretion. The message was clear. Comply, or this will happen to you. We knew we would be successful with our efforts to create partisanship when the discussion reached print and television media. The politicians began debating the legal ramifications of the policy change to address the concern of their democracy. Rinse and repeat. From there we began to sow the seeds of distrust in the mainstream media itself. Fake news is just a new term for propaganda. Anyone could release a blog. Anyone could make a legitimate looking news website. Social proof could be purchased. Accounts could be created and comments faked. The overall effect is that the public began to trust nobody but the people that they already agreed with, people we already controlled. Then we needed to hijack the system. When animosity was at fever pitch, we proposed a common enemy. Not the real enemy. That will come with time, of course. But not yet. Rather, a common enemy of the group of the people that each member belonged to. It was different for each group, but the tactics we used and the subsequent results were the same. We told them as such. This is the cause of your problems. It is the reason that your group is overlooked, persecuted and treated unjustly. It's the reason the world cannot see your plight. They've spread fake news and their own agenda. Really, only the people inside your group can see the truth. You are the only ones who are truly awake to it. We used social media's own algorithms to show them the footage, the arguments, and the barrage of post. posts. Then we showed them that we would fix it. We became the solution to their problem, and thus, under different guises, the solution to everyone's problem. 
Once we had the populace taking over the taken over the system, yeah. Once we had the populace taken over the system, was a foregone conclusion. We knew who to buy and with what to leverage. No one wants the worst of themselves exposed to the world to see. We once more strategically leaked, pushed, and propped up where necessary. From there, it is a simple matter of using overt, covert, and subliminal propaganda through social media. Small incremental changes in the appropriate directions. The beauty of this coup is that it's not apparent to our enemies. A typical night of daggers were contemplated, but, t- but quickly abandoned. Too many moving parts to control and too much bloodshed. We could have started the movement, but we couldn't predict the outcome. We wanted a more guaranteed outcome. Besides, that approach would signal to the world that a change is coming and may have caused the war to start preemptively. We didn't want that. We wanted to gain control without advertising it. No one, except you, the inner circle, are privy to the truth about the extent of our control over the nation. Or our plans for phase two. That takes us to today. Please turn on the television. Any channel will suffice. Phase two will be featured on the mall. Do not doubt yourselves. We must sacrifice a part to protect the whole. The attack will be real, the victims will be real, and the perpetrators will be real. But here's the true beauty of it. We'll tell the populace how to avenge their loss. We'll show them who is at fault, who our enemy is, and with popular support, we'll develop the necessary will to attack them. And should that will begin to wane, turn to the news once more. We'll reignite it. As a nation, we'll go strong and proud. Through conflict, our military might will be sharpened, our industry solidified, our resources secured. We will be prepared for the war that is coming. So that was a chapter from my book, Upgrade. It's a sci-fi anthology in which takes taking place in the near future to the advanced future where humans and technology has integrated. And there's, you know, a history and a backstory and all of that sort of stuff. That chapter was talking about what sort of happened prior leading to the main events of the story. There was a world war and that was the coup that took place. And I felt like sharing it following the discussion earlier because it obviously relates and I've drawn on what's happening in in our real world to sort of highlight that fact. So if you'd like to grab yourself a copy of the book, it's out now as a paperback, ebook and audiobook. You can search the link below or via Amazon or Audible. If you just search for Upgrade, you'll be able to see yourself a copy. So yeah, if you like this podcast, if you like what I'm doing here, please like, share and subscribe, you know, help me to get that uh, organic following. Um, But more importantly, direct message people, right? Speak, use your words, no matter what, because that will actually cause a difference. Sharing stuff online, even though I'll encourage it, I'm talking to the people that will listen to me. If you want to make a wider reach, use your words. Please, catch up.